Well, good morning, Rocky Peak. Hey, it's great to see you, uh, whether you're here in our worship center or over in our live uh, video venue. Uh, Ridge, want to welcome you in right now. Uh, we're going to go into our time of teaching uh, right now, and inside your program uh, is a green and white message note sheet that we use every week. So you'll definitely want to take that, especially if you're, you're new, you want to take that out. Uh, just a quick uh, little question here. How many of you have experienced some spiritual warfare this week? I just say, yes, I've been hearing about it all week long. Uh, it's, uh, I, I told you last week, I just sensed it was coming. Uh, I've had so many of you reach out and say, thank you so much. Uh, I was on guard when it came. I was ready. I've been so proud of you, the way you've just kind of pressed through that. I think we really are, as a church, heading into a new territory, new level. And uh, I just expect opposition is going to come. And so what we need to learn to do as a church is not how to run and hide, but how to stand and fight. And so uh, the way you do, when the enemy comes, we take our stand. And, uh, and so you guys are doing that, you're pressing through, you're staying on track, and the only reason the enemy attacks at times like this is because he knows there's great things ahead if he doesn't. So just want to encourage you uh, to continue to take your stand, uh, continue to do your daily study, prepare for Rooted, if you're not in Rooted, whatever else you're doing to pursue God, uh, that we would move forward as a church. And so we're going to go into our time of teaching now. If you guys are ready, I'm all set. You guys ready to go? Okay, let's pray. God, we're just excited to be here and to take this next step on this journey with you. We thank you how you're speaking, how you're leading, how you're guiding. And, and now we just come, Lord, and we just say we want more. Uh, we're hungry for more. We're hungry for you. We pray that you would come. And in the words of Jeremiah 32, you'd give us a singleness of heart in action, that we would uh, you'd inspire us to fear you, that you might bless us and our children always, that we would be your people and you would be our God. And we pray this in your name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Well, our story starts today in a small rural village. It's a Muslim village in a, a major, large, very conservative, strict uh, Muslim country. And he is 43 years old. Um, he is married. He has a couple kids. Um, but things are not going well for him. His marriage is struggling. In fact, he's on the verge of divorcing his wife. His kids are often disrespectful. Um, his crops are dying, and his livestock are not reproducing. And so he is going to take a walk. He's going to go to the, the closest imam in a nearby village to ask him for spiritual advice. And so when he arrives, he explains to the Amman what's going on. The Amman says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and purchase a white chicken, all white chicken, and I want you to bring it back, and we're going to sacrifice this chicken, and then I'm going to send you home, and I want you to fast and pray for three days and three nights. And at the end of that time, you'll be instructed what to do. And so he does. He carries out the instructions. He goes, he purchases the chicken. They come back. They sacrifice it. He walks home. He begins to fast and pray. And sure enough, in the middle of the third night, as he's asleep, he wakes up to the sound of a voice. Well, today, we are continuing uh, this journey that we've been on the last couple of weeks called Rooted, the Rhythm of Relationship. And if you're brand new I want to welcome you. What a great time for us to be joining us at Rocky Peak. We're so glad you're here. What we've seen so far in this series is that uh, when we come to Christ, that God has an incredible vision. We've called it an epic vision for our lives. And we've seen that this vision is not just for a select few. 
It's not just for leaders. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for priests. It's not just for popes. This vision is for every follower of Jesus. And so what we've seen the first couple of weeks is that in, uh, last week we took some time to unpack this big picture story of the Bible, uh, this epic story. We called it the story of Shalom. It starts in Genesis 1 with the creation of the cosmos. It ends in Revelation 21 and 22 with the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. And last week we were introduced in Genesis 1 to this amazing creator who is powerful, he's brilliant, he's creative, he is, uh, loves beauty, loves order, everything he does is good, and out of his love he creates a race to rule over creation for him and to be in relationship with him. And in many ways, as you look at the story of Shalom, it's a story of how we were created for relationship, how we lost relationship and how God has been working through history through the nation of Israel and the Messiah and his people to restore that relationship. But one of the marks of a, a real relationship is what I like to call two-way communication. So uh, if I claim to have relationship with someone, like let's say that I claim to have a relationship with someone famous, like Magic Johnson or Bill Gates or some political figure, uh, and I told you a real relationship, say, yes, I do, because I emailed them all the time. Um, in fact, whenever they write a blog, a new blog, I respond on their blog. Uh, you would say, well, that's really cool. What do they say back? And if I said, well, they never really have responded back, but we're very close, right? <laughs> you would say, you don't have a relationship. Because we know intuitively to have a relationship, you have to have not just one-way communication, you have to have what I call two-way communication. And it's the same with us as Christ followers. We talk a lot about having a personal relationship with God, but until we hear God speak back, we don't really have a personal relationship. We simply have a one-way uh, relationship. And so today, we're going to be studying this topic of, of the voice of God, that we, we follow a God who speaks, and we want to talk about how God speaks and how we grow in learning to hear his voice. There in your note sheet, I put a great quote from a, a, a book that I'm currently working through uh, by Mark Batterson, who's pastor of a large church in the Washington, D.C. area, well-known writer, and he, he wrote a great book recently on hearing God's voice called Whisper. And this is what he says. Let me make a bold statement at the beginning of this book. Learning how to hear the voice of God is the solution to a thousand problems. It's also the key to discovering our destiny and fulfilling our potential. And I absolutely believe that. If we want to not just understand the epic story that we're a part of, but to find our place in it, uh, we're going to have to learn how to grow in hearing the voice of God. And so there in your note sheet, you have a section called God Speaks, Are You Listening? And uh, so I've got three basic principles to lay down. We're going to come back at the end with a couple pointed questions. So yes, flip your page. Number one, so uh, God is still speaking. The first thing that we want to start with today is that, that God is still speaking. Now this is, we, we saw this last week, that the God of the Bible is a God who speaks. In fact, this is how the story starts in Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light. Right? God speaks, and when he speaks, creation springs into existence. And then when we move into the new creation, we move into chapter, uh, the, the, the second half of our Bible we call the New Testament, and, and the creator becomes part of the creation. 
to rescue and restore all that he's made and has gone wrong, uh, one of the names given to Jesus is the communicator. Uh, the name is the Word. In fact, there in your note sheet, in John chapter 1, when John the Apostle introduces the story of Jesus, this is how he starts it. He says, in the beginning, so he's playing off of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God creates heaven and earth. He's like, let me tell you the rest of the story. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. He came to be part of us. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, knows the Word, who is with as at the Father's side, has made him known. And so when the Creator becomes part of the creation, his name is the Word. He is the great communicator. And so we saw this last week as we watched the story of, an, of Shalom unfold. In fact, in many ways, the story turns on the Word of God. The story that starts in Genesis 1 with God speaking, when you go to Genesis 3, after our rebellion, he gives a promise. And then when you get to chapter 12, he speaks to a man from modern-day Iraq, a pagan man, Abram, and he calls him to follow him, and the story goes to its next chapter. And then we watch as God speaks to an uh, Israeli shepherd who was once an Egyptian prince and sends him back to Egypt. It says, you will go, and God speaks from the burning bush. And then you watch as he goes back and he takes that nation out to Mount Sinai after three months, and God speaks and says, you will be a kingdom of priests. And then we jump forward last week and we watch as God spoke to David and said, from your line, a great king will one day come who will rule forever. And we watch as God spoke through Isaiah, this king will be anointed by the Spirit and he will bring in a kingdom of righteousness and he will bring in new heavens and a new earth. And then we watched as God spoke through his son, the kingdom of the heavens is at hand and we watched as God spoke to Peter, this kingdom is not just for Jews, it's for the world. And we watched as God spoke to the apostle John, and he saw the vision of the new heavens and the new earth. And in many ways, the story of Shalom rises and falls on the voice of God. It's when God speaks that things happen. And here's what I want you to catch. In our lives, our story rises and falls on the voice of God. When God speaks things happen. And so it's vital for us to learn how to listen and to follow the voice of God. Now, the point of this first principle is very simple, is that the God who is spoken throughout the story of Shalom last week is still speaking today, that God has not lost his voice. He's not living off his reputation that when we step into relationship with God, he is a God who speaks. In fact, I love the way Bill Hybels puts it there uh, on your note sheet. It's another great book, uh, Too Busy Not to Pray. He says, authentic Christianity is not learning a set of doctrines and then stepping into cadence with people all marching in the same way. It's not simple humanitarian service to the less fortunate. It is a walk. It's a supernatural walk with a living, dyna dynamic, catches communicating God. And thus, the heart and soul of the Christian life, underline this on your note sheet, is learning to hear God's voice and developing the courage to do what he tells us to do, what I call listen and follow. The heart and soul, learning to listen to his voice and then the courage to do what he tells us. 
Or as Henry Blackaby, and he puts it in his book, uh, Experiencing God, it's if a Christian does not know when God is speaking, he's in trouble at the heart of his Christian life. Right? So God is still speaking, vital that we're going to hear him if we're going to find our place in the story, live out an epic life. Number two, the second principle is that God speaks in a wide variety of ways. So we talk about God speaking, I think naturally we often tend to think of words, and of course he does speak in words. He speaks audibly, out loud. He speaks sometimes internal, uh, internal voice, uh, internal words in our minds. But, uh, but what I want you to catch today, when I'm talking today about God speaking, I'm not necessarily talking about words, I'm talking about communicating, right? That when we talk about God speaking, God does not need words to communicate. Now, he often speaks in words, that's often what he does, but he doesn't need words. That he created us, he knows how our minds work, he knows how to speak mind to mind, right? Like words are just a means to an end. He can communicate thought to thought. Uh, now, a lot of us have experienced in this room, you, maybe you've been at a party, maybe it's with a close friend, maybe it's a spouse, whatever, it's a business associate, and this party is killing you. This is like the most boring party you've ever been to, right? And you're, you're talking to the most boring person you've ever talked to, and across the room, your spouse catches your eye, and they send you a look. And you, don't, you send them a look. And you do not need words. You have just communicated a ream of information. <laughs> the ream is like, I, this has been going on so long, I am dying, come rescue me. Uh, we need to get out of this place before I go crazy. And it was just with a look. Some of you had parents like this. They could give you the look. They did not need to say anything. You knew exactly what they meant. If you continue on your current path, you will no longer be living within five minutes. Like they knew just the look, you know, and you're done. I was in a business meeting recently, not here at Rocky Peak, but I was in a business meeting and the other people on the side of the table and one person said something that was just really odd and I catch the girl's eyes on the table and she looked, caught my eyes and we both knew that was just weird. What happened there was just weird. We did not have to stop and say, time out, let's do a sidebar. Wasn't that weird? That was so weird. When he said that, that was just weird. We did not need to do that. We just locked eyes and we communicated. And so God is the ultimate creator. When he wants to communicate to you, he does not need words. He may use them, may not use them, but he does not need words. I love how they put it in your rooted uh, lesson this week. God doesn't need to speak out loud to get through to us. He can communicate straight to our minds. That's absolutely right. Uh, and of course, the way he can communicate to our minds, a wide variety. So sometimes, uh, sometimes it can be super clear, uh, other times not as clear. So what I want to do, though, is I want to talk to you right now about uh, a couple ways that God speaks to us that are very profound. Now, in your Rooted book this week, your workbook, it's going to talk about lots of ways that God communicates. Like God uh, communicates, communicates through creation. Right, so have you ever been outside and it's just incredibly, uh, maybe it's in the desert, a beautiful starlit night. It's just, the beauty is, is so piercing. It just moves you. You've, you've seen incredible sunset over the ocean. You've, you've, been, uh, you've been a long way from LA. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that, that there's just beauty, right? 
that there's beauty out there, and we can sense that the Bible says that the heavens declare the glories of God. Uh, Romans chapter 1 says that, that we are without excuse because just by looking at creation, you can tell there has to be a creator who's incredibly powerful and beautiful and wise. And so, uh, so creation speaks. We've already talked about the word of God, Christ, and how he speaks and his life speaks, his teaching speaks. Uh, they'll talk to you this week about circumstance and how God can work through circumstance, how he can speak through people. There's many different ways, but I want to highlight two of the most important today. So there in your note sheet, the first bullet, let's fill it in. The first way is, in some ways, the most obvious is through his word. The most consistent and important way that God speaks to us is through his written word. As we'll see in just a minute, the word of God was, is God breathed. That, the, that God breathed his spirit through the human authors to write what we call the scriptures, the Bible. And so as it says there on your note sheet in 2 Timothy, all scripture is God breathed. It's useful. Or in the Greek, it's helpful. It's beneficial for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness. And so this is ground floor. When it comes to hearing the voice of God, ground floor, if you compare this project of learning to hear the voice of God, let's compare it to a building. Ground floor, the foundation is the word of God. We will never outgrow that foundation. That the Holy Spirit will never speak to us in a way that contradicts the message of his word, because his word is breathed from himself, it reveals his character, his will for our lives. And so the word is always like guardrails that says, hey, this, the, the truth is within this area. Right? So anything, anything that comes from outside, we know is not. And so this is the most consistent way that God is going to speak, and it's going to be a supernatural way. The Holy Spirit is going to take his word and speak through his word and open our eyes to spiritual truth. Uh, Jesus talked about this all the time. Uh, some of you may experience this. I remember when my wife came to Christ, many of you have had this experience, that she had tried to read her Bible before she came to Jesus. And it did not make any sense. Uh, it was like reading the phone book. It was boring. It was like cardboard. It was like sawdust. And then there was a weekend she gave her life to Christ. She came back home. She opened up the same Bible, and those same words are now leaping off the page and speaking with such power and insight. It was so profound, she closed the book to make sure it was the same Bible. <laughs> like, yep. She's like, someone changed the words here? And so when the Holy Spirit begins opening our eyes to the Scripture, He begins reshaping our minds, speaking to us. Sometimes He even speaks to us in a very direct way where a particular passage, a promise, uh, a, an instruction comes off the page to us and speaks directly, maybe something originally written to Moses or Joshua or David, God uses to speak to us in a very profound way. And we sense we've been spoken to. And so we're going to start with the word, right? The word is the foundation. And this is why it's so important for us to be spending time in the word and to learn to hear the voice of God through the word because this helps us to discern his voice in every other way. I've been told, I don't know if it's true, but I've been told so many times, I believe it, that when you're training a bank teller to, uh, to recognize counterfeit bills, 
The way, they treat a, uh, the way that they will train a bank teller is not to give them, here are 10 examples of counterfeits. What they do is they have them handle the real thing over and over and over again until where they have a sixth sense to where when a bill comes, it doesn't feel like the real thing. You recognize it. You might not even be able to tell what's wrong with the counterfeit, but you sense that something is off. And so the word of God is like that. When we get used to hearing God's voice through the word, that when something comes that claims to be the word of God that's off, you recognize it. Right? And so we're going to start with, uh, start with the word. And of course, Jesus uh, taught on this. In John chapter 8, he, he talks to some new believers, and he said, if you hold to my teaching, and literally in the Greek, it's if you hold to my word. He says, if you hold to my word, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? So notice, this is like an algebraic equation. A plus B equals C. Word plus equals truth equals freedom. Right? Word leads to truth, leads to freedom. Uh, later on, in that same gospel, in the last night when he's praying for us in John 17, he says, sanctify them. He's about to be arrested. Sanctify them, praying for his disciples and for us. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is what? Truth. And so he says, uh, Father, I've come to sanctify them, to separate them out, to give them a new life, that they would be holy and whole, they be pure, they live the life they're called to live. I want to sanctify them. So sanctify them by truth, and your word is truth. And so the primary way that God is going to speak to us on a regular basis is through his word, opening up his word, uh, giving us insight into his word. We're going to sense God teaching us, God speaking, communicating to us. But the second way that God is going to speak to us is through his spirit. Now, um, when a man or woman comes to Christ, one of the changes that happens immediately is that we not only receive the gift of forgiveness of sins, but we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes to live within us. And one of his primary jobs in our life is to teach us, to guide us, to lead us into truth. In fact, Jesus talks about this in John 14. He says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you, circle this, another counselor. So the first counselor was Jesus. He's been with them three years, but he's about to leave. But he says, don't worry, I'll send you another counselor. You know that word, and they do a great job in Rooted, but that word in Greek is a word that means to come alongside someone as a helper. It's a hard word to translate into English. That's why different versions will handle it differently. Counselor, helper, advocate, comforter, so on. And so he says, I've been with you. He says, but when I leave, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to be another counselor. And he says, to help you and be with you, the spirit of what? Truth. He's going to lead us to truth. Look at the next one, John 16. Later on that same evening, he says, I tell you the truth. It's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. And when he comes, the, when he, the spirit of what? Truth. truth. The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. So truth is what we need. Truth sets us free. How does he do that? Jesus gives us his word. The Holy Spirit uh, leads us into truth. He's the spirit of truth, which leads to our freedom. So the Holy Spirit is going to shepherd us as followers of Jesus. He's going to teach us, guide us, lead us, counsel us, 
and speak to us, and he's going to lead us into truth that leads us into freedom. That's what we should expect. That's normal operating procedure in the epic life. Now, the question is, well, how does, God, how does the Holy Spirit speak? How does he lead? How does he guide? And I would say in a wide variety of ways, right? The Holy Spirit is going to lead in a wide variety of ways. Let's talk about some of that. Uh, one way that the Holy Spirit speaks, I don't think this is super common, by the way, at least not in our culture. But one of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks is through an audible voice. Like think Samuel in the Old Testament, waking up, hearing the voice of God. Uh, not super common. My guess would be that if I did a survey in this room right now, and I'm not going to do that, but my guess is that there would be a few people here that would say, yes, I've heard the audible voice of God. Uh, I would not be one of those people. Never heard the audible voice of God. Right? So not real common in our culture. In other cultures, other situations, much more common. Um, this, uh, this last year, I read a great book. I put it there on your note sheet. It was called The Insanity of God. And it's written by a man named Nick Ripkin. I won't go into his whole story, but through a series of events, Nick is a highly respected Christian researcher. And through a series of events... Uh, Nick felt God was calling him to travel to the most persecuted countries in the world, to go and secretly undercover to do interviews with followers of Jesus living underground in the most persecuted countries of the world, to, to hear from them what's it like to be a follower of Jesus in this very dangerous place. And over the course of his research, he ended up going to over 70 different countries, you know, Russia, uh, Eastern Europe, to find out after the Iron Curtain fell, to find out what were those years like, China, uh, uh, Arab countries, right, Saudi Arabia. And he ended up doing 700 in-depth interviews with believers under those circumstances. And one of his stories is the story we started the day with. The story of this 43-year-old man living in a rural Muslim village whose life is not going well. And when we left him, if you remember, we left him, he was waking up in the middle of the night, the third night, and he hears a voice. He'd been promised by the imam that at the end of three days, you'll be told the solution to your problems. So he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he, he describes it later in one of these interviews, he describes it as a bodiless voice. And the voice says to him, the solution to your problems is to find Jesus and find the gospel. Now, he is in a rural Muslim village in a large, very strict Muslim country, heavy persecution. His people group, who speak his language, 24 million he will find out later there are three Christ followers out of 24 million. When the voice says to him, find Jesus and find the gospel, he had never heard the name of Jesus. He had never heard the word gospel. He didn't know if Jesus was a rock or a tree. He didn't know what he was looking for. And so the voice continued. You need to get up out of bed right now. You need to hike over the mountains 
and down to the coast, go south, head down to this city he's never been to before. When you get there about dawn, you'll see two men. Approach them and ask them for where directions to this street. When you find the street, walk up and down the street till you find this number of the address. When you get there, knock on the door and tell them you're there to find Jesus and the gospel. And so this man, I love this, talk about listening and following. He gets up in the middle of the night and he leaves. Doesn't even tell his wife, which may be why they're having marital problems. But anyway, <laughs> he hikes all night long. He hikes over the mountain. I know, I love this guy. He hikes over the mountain. He goes down the coast. He arrives at dawn at the city. As he's approaching the city, he sees two men. He walks to the two men. He asks them if they know where the street is. They do. They tell him how to get there. When he gets to the street, he walks up and down looking for that number. When he finds a number, he goes and knocks on the door. The door opens, an old man is standing there. The old man says, can I help you? He says, I'm here I'm looking for Jesus and the gospel. And this old man reaches out, grabs him by the collar, jerks him in, slams the door, throws him up against the wall. And he says, you Muslims, you think I'm a fool to fall for a trap like this. And this younger man says, sir, whether you're a fool or not, I don't know. We just met. But I heard a voice, and it said to find Jesus and find the gospel, and it directed me here. And he began to share the story of the night before. And as he shared, the old man began to relax. And then he was shocked, because this old man was one of the three secret Christ followers out of 24 million people. And so this older man shared Jesus and the gospel, and this man came to Christ, and he discipled him there for two weeks before sending him back. And now five years later, through a way that Nick Ripken does not even understand, because he's there undercover, this man comes and tells him, I'm here to tell you my story. I have traveled to tell you my story. And so sometimes God can be very clear. And what was so interesting to me in that book is how common a story this is in highly persecuted places where people need to hear the voice of God in very direct ways. I don't think in our culture at this time that's super common. I think what's more common but not that common is more like internal words, that where someone will hear the voice of God in internal words, like, you know, verbal, but just inside your brain. Uh, my wife is one of those people. Uh, my wife has, uh, I, I guess I would call them some prophetic giftings. And so God, from a very early time when she came to Jesus, a couple years in, uh, right after, while we were dating, really, it was the first time it happened, God began to speak to her. In fact, the very first time that he spoke to her, he said, you are about to go into phase two of your relationship with Michael. And in phase two, uh, I will teach you to love him expecting nothing in return. And a week later, out of the blue, I broke up with her. And she began to understand what phase two is about. 
And it was a critical point in our relationship where in phase two, as I was going through some very deep waters and would soon at one point be almost suicidal, that I needed her there with no strings attached. I needed to be free to be pursuing God without her in between. And that she was there in a powerful way to support me during that time. And it began to get clear what it meant, what phase two is all about. And that's the first time that God spoke to her. But over the years, he's spoken many, many times. It's played such an important role in my life, my walk with God, and my leadership over the years. And so I think sometimes God will speak in very clear ways uh, in an internal voice. And sometimes I've, very early on, I said, Lynn, you need to write this down. When you have a message for me, please write it down. And I've always been amazed because the language doesn't sound like hers or mine, but it's incredibly profound. It's the turn of a phrase. Phase two, you know? Like who thought, phase two of a relationship, teach you to love him, expecting nothing in return. Beautiful language, but not something that she would say or I would say. And so many times I've said, I've said this, well, remember when the Lord said, no, that's not what he said. It was, you missed the third word. You know, it's very clear. So I think that the Lord speaks in internal, uh, internal language. Um, and I'm sure that some of you have probably experienced that. Again, I never have. God doesn't speak to me. One of the most important principles we're going to be talking about today as we talk about the different ways that God speaks is that God speaks to different people in different ways. Just like you talk to your children in different ways. And God always speaks to us in the way that we hear him best. And so one of the biggest mistakes we can make is say, I want to hear God that way. No, God will speak to you in your way, in your own dialect, in your own language between you and your father. Uh, and so that too is a way that I have not experienced. So when God speaks to me, one of the most common ways that God speaks to me, like a third way of God speaking, is I call them aha moments. Uh, I call them spiritual downloads. Um, yesterday... Uh, I was selling something on eBay. I haven't done this in years, but I was selling some Charger jerseys. And uh, <laughs> some San Diego Charger jersey. And, uh, and by the way, they're awesome. Just check them out online if you want to buy them. They're great shit. Melvin Gordon, Philip Rivers, never used, NFL official, eBay. Check it out. All right. So uh, you, you, can get, you, can, you can get that, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, anyway... Um, and so I, I, was, I needed to download the eBay app to my phone. So you know how this works, right? You watch the little circle, and then boom, it's there. And it's all there. And it just comes all at once. It doesn't start, it doesn't start coming like, eBay. You know, it's like, boom, it's all there. And when God speaks to me, that's usually how it is. It's like, uh, it all comes in this flash, and I just see it. And I can put it into words. It's almost sometimes like I've had a conversation. Uh, it just all comes, and... Um, but when it comes, and I think this is a, a mark of God speaking, that when God speaks, there is a clarity, there is a conviction, there's a character to it, the character of God. It's right, it's good, it's true. Uh, it comes with a certain weightiness. It comes with a gravitas. And it comes with great staying power. You have to remember what you say. It's like, it's here. And that's true of whenever God speaks, right? It, it has this uh, resonance about it that you learn to discern over time. 
Uh, God speaks many other ways. Uh, one of the ways that God speaks to me a lot is through uh, what I call a supernatural peace. Now, by this, I don't mean an emotional peace. Uh, because sometimes you can have, uh, uh, oh, I just feel good about this. It's not about that. It's something deeper than emotion. It's uh, something that is, is much deeper than that. There, there can be many times where I sense a, God's peace to do something when the thing that he's asking me to do is the very last thing I want to do, and I'm scared to death to do it. And yet I have a deep sense of peace. This is the right thing to do. In fact, one of the things I've learned in terms of discerning God's voice and his direction is that until we come to a place in our life where we are really hands open, willing to go to the right or to the left, it's going to be very difficult to hear God's voice. Like we have to wait until we come to a place where we're willing. God, not that I equally want to do either way, but I'm equally willing to do either thing. I'm willing to stay in this relationship or get out of this relationship. I truly, I don't want to get out, but I'm willing. It's not until we come to a place where we're truly willing to do whatever he wants that I find, then for me, the peace of God can descend there and I can sense like this is the right way. Uh, God speaks in many other ways. Um, he'll speak in the Bible through uh, dreams. Think of Joseph. He'll speak through visions. Um, he'll speak through burning bushes. He'll even speak on through a donkey. Right? So God is very creative in the way that he can speak. He can speak in our life through prophetic words. He can speak to our lives uh, through wise counsel. He can speak to, uh, to our lives through a kind of a supernatural picture uh, images he gives us in our mind, but all these things, whenever God speaks, we always want to put it under this umbrella of it. We know a couple of things about it, that when God speaks, it will always be consistent with his word and his character. And it will always come with this sense of gravitas, this sense of quality. Now, it takes us a while as followers of Jesus to learn this. In fact, if you've grown up in a, a tradition where it's like, well, no, God doesn't speak. All we need is the Bible, and that's just it. And that's, this may be kind of an undeveloped uh, discernment in your part. And it takes a while. You know, one of the joys of my life right now is I have a couple young granddaughters. So I've got a couple little older granddaughters that are, you know, elementary age. Uh, and so they're past the stage. But I have a couple young granddaughters, one that is 18 months old and one that is about three years old. And they're both in the language acquisition stage of their life. And if you have been around kids like this, uh, you, you observe this. If you haven't been a while, you may forget, but kids learn by experimentation. Like, it's not like you just start talking one day, they just start like, oh, I got it. Got that, mom. You know, it's like, it's not like that. It's like they, they, they're learning. They're learning to discern. They kind of get it right, and then they get it wrong, and, and they're learning, but they keep pressing. They keep listening. They keep working at this. And over time, they begin to speak, and they begin to understand words, and it all begins to get clear, and there's a, there's a growth process, and often that's the case in our life. Sometimes God speaks, it's very clear, but often it takes time. There's a discernment process, and we have to learn. We have to acquire the language, so to speak. There in your note sheet, there is uh, a great quote from your rooted study this week, where it says, listening to God can be a bit mysterious. Sometimes he speaks to us in the midst of activity, uh, like walking, jogging, gardening, hiking. Let, let me just take a, uh, do a sidebar, just time out here. Let's just hold it right there. Interesting thing, talk about how God speaks to different people in different ways. 
Uh, like, like one guy that I have a lot of respect for in my life is Dave Cox, Pastor Dave Cox. Huge respect for Dave. Huge respect for his walk with God. And uh, Dave likes uh, when you're praying, hey, let's just wait before the Lord and see if God's going to say anything. And uh, that's awesome. Except I found in my life, he never talks to me that way. So I just go, okay, I'll just go on pause here, Dave. Let's see if God shows up for you, right? That, in other words, uh, in my life, typically, the downloads come when I'm doing something else, right? Uh, and so it's like, uh, but in his life, it works that way. And so, again, I just want to say, it's not one way. God speaks differently. So he says, sometimes he speaks to us in the midst of activity, walking, jogging, motorcycling, uh, off-roading, uh, gardening, falling down hills, uh, adventure sports, hiking, uh, looking for coyotes in the middle of the night. Uh, regardless of what we're doing, if we sift off the noise in our lives, we can make room for his voice. But how can we be sure it's God speaking? Well, we can know because thoughts will come into our minds that we know didn't come from us. They'll be consistent with his word and what he wants for us. Perhaps it's a prompting to do something. It's a new perspective on a problem. It's an answer to a question. God will make it known. Though he's mysterious, he also wants to hear him clearly. And as we spend time in his presence talking to him, listening to him, reading his word, meditating on his principles, eventually we will grow to a place in our relationship, think of it like a young child, that we can recognize and understand what he's saying to us. Like John 10, 3 through 4 says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and his sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out, and after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead, and they follow him because they know his voice. Then catch this, recognition comes from familiarity, and familiarity comes from the time spent together, right? We're going to spend time. Now, one more thing before we leave this is that often when we're talking about listening to God, hearing to God, that you can kind of get the impression that God is speaking all the time um, and that he is just a divine chatterbox. He is just, you know, I mean, you talk to Christians. There's some Christians like, oh, God was just saying this, God was saying this, God was saying this. Um, and uh, I have found that regardless of the way God speaks, that is not really the way it works. Uh, in fact, many times in our life, you are desperate for God to speak, and he doesn't. Many times you're praying about a decision, and you just can't seem to get the clear discernment. Um, there, there's an area of my life right now that I'm praying for. It has to do with a, a leadership decision here at Rocky Peak. I've been, I feel like God is stirring me towards something, and it's been going on for about maybe three months now. And so I pray for it all the time, maybe almost daily, for direction, and I just can't quite get it. And what that tells me is that it's not time for me to get it. There's a timing issue. And so he's stirring me. And often in these times where God is stirring us, it causes us to seek him. It causes us to surrender in new ways, whatever you want, God. It, calls us to, to, it causes us to listen. There's a lot that's going on. And can I tell you something? That often it's in times of confusion and pain that God does his deepest work in our lives. You see this all the time in the Bible. It's a time of hardship, pain, where God shapes our character, teaches us how to trust. 
brings us to new levels of surrender, God, whatever you want, that are critical for our future. And so if God were to speak, it would ruin all of that. And so there are, when we say that God will speak, I don't want to create the impression that it's like a word a day keeps the devil away. You know, it's like he'll speak on his own timetable. Now, uh, number three. Number three goes like this, that God speaks to those who listen. And this is critical. This is so important. What we see from the Bible cover to cover is that God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. With half your heart. Oh, no. Heresy version, right? With three quarters of your heart. With most of your heart. No, no, that God is waiting for us to seek him with all of our heart. And this is the way human relationships work too. Like if you're going to entrust yourself to someone, you want to make sure they're in and committed to the relationship. If I propose to a woman and say, will you marry me? And she says, I would love to marry you, but is it okay if I keep on dating? No. (laughs) I'm not going to entrust my heart to someone who's not going to entrust their heart to me. And God is the same way. He says that I will speak to those who are all in. And many times the reason God doesn't speak is we're not all in. I like what what Jesus says in John 14. This is a passage we looked at earlier, but we're going to extend it a little far and tease it out a little bit more. Um, He says, this is the last night before he's arrested. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Now, I don't know why they translated it like that. In the Greek, what it actually says is, if you love me, you will keep my commands. In other words, this is the sign that you're serious and you truly love me. If someone says, I love God, but doesn't do what he says, he is a liar and the truth is not in him, according to 1 John. So Jesus says, this is the way you know. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor, we looked at before, to help you be with the other spirit for truth. And, but catch it, the world cannot accept him. He says, I'll send you the Spirit, but the world cannot accept him. Why? He says, because they can't see him. They don't know him. That the Holy Spirit exists in a realm where where they're not born again. They're not committed to Jesus. They can't perceive him. It's like someone who's colorblind can't perceive colors, or someone who's blind can't perceive a sunset. It's there. They just don't see it. He says, but, I, but you know him because he lives with you and he will be in you. And so Judas, not Judas Iscariot, he wants some clarification. Why are you going to show yourself to us and not the world? Why this double standard? And he says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus said, well, it's very simple. Anyone who loves me will what? Obey my teaching. And my father then will love him and we will come and make our home. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we will come to dwell And what kind of person? Why will you dwell with some and not others? He said, it's very simple. Those who love me, as evidenced by their obedience, I want to live with them. We will move in with them. But those who don't love me, as evidence, they're not not following my teaching, we're not moving in. So God reveals himself to those who are ready to listen and follow. And many times... I believe this is why we don't hear God more is because we're not really ready to listen. If God were to speak, we would not listen. And he knows it. That our relationship with God is kind of like my relationship with consumer reports. 
Like when I want to buy a major purchase, I may check consumer reports. And I value their advice. I value it, but I also know that in my life, like my parents' life, there were times when they said, buy this, and it was a disaster. So I will value their advice. I want to read their advice. But then I'll say, thank you very much. And I'll go to Amazon, and I'll check out reviews, and I'll talk around, and I'll use my own brain. They'll say, thank you very much. Now I'm going to go do what I want to do. And if I find your advice helpful, I will follow it. But if I don't find it helpful, thank you very much. I appreciate your input. And many times, this is how we approach God. Like, God, should I stay in this relationship or not? And we want him to weigh in because we really want his advice. But in our heart of hearts, if he says, no, you need to get out. Like, uh, well, thanks anyway. Uh, I've talked to three friends, and they thought it was great, so I'm staying in. And, and I don't know. I just really like her. Um, and so... If you want to hear God's voice, we need to come to a place where we're willing to listen and to follow. And you know what? Uh, this is actually, I've come to I believe this over time, is it, that often we ask God for his direction and he doesn't speak. One of the reasons he doesn't speak is because for him to speak, and he knows that we will not listen, it puts us in harm's way. Because there's nothing more dangerous in the spiritual life than to hear the voice of God and not to follow. That leads to what the Bible calls a hardening of heart. And if you do that long enough, you lose the capacity to hear the voice of God. And so out of mercy, God will often not speak when we're not ready to listen. Not to punish us, but because if he were to speak... That would damn us. It would, it would put us in harm's way. So this leads to a couple questions. So God speaks two vital questions. So the first question is very simple. The first question is, are you listening? Um, and so, in other words, are you, uh, are you setting aside time in your life to seek God? To, well, I, like, I, I describe it like this. Are you creating space for God? in your life. Like life is incredibly busy. And we live in a culture that's 24-7. And there's always something we're trying to fit in and do. We're running hard. We're not getting enough sleep. We're always on social media. We're on Facebook. We have, we're, our, one of the greatest dangers of spiritual life is distraction. And so the question is, are we setting aside time where we can listen? We've all had this experience. It happened to me last night. Have you ever been in the room where someone's talking to you and you, you wake up about two minutes in and you realize they've been talking but you've not been listening? I talked about this in the service last night and then I went home and I had this experience. I got home and Lynn had been home last night and so I, I walked in and I was doing several things and uh, I said, it's really getting warm out there. It's really warm out. And, uh, and then I immediately after I said that started texting something. And uh, as about two minutes later, I realized that she'd been responding the whole time, you know? And she had looked up the weather, and she had had, was telling me the temperature in different days. And the last thing I heard was at 82 in San Marcos on Monday. And all of a sudden, at that point, I realized, like, she's been talking. Right? And so as a good husband, I said, oh, that's great, 82. Uh, 
right? But we've all been there, right? You've been in a situation where you're talking and the boss is going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Or a spouse or a friend, they're not listening to you or you're not listening to them. We've all had that. And that it can happen to us spiritually. Like, how many of you have ever said, it's amazing, I went away to this retreat and God really met me there? Like, how many of us have had that experience? I got away. And we never stop to think, hey, do you think it might be you got out of town, you stopped being busy, you went up, you read your Bible, you prayed, you worshiped, you went out in the woods alone. Hey, do you think there might be any correlation between God speaking and you getting away? And we're like, oh, it's just amazing what God does on retreats. <laughs> hey, maybe he'd do it more often if you just create a retreat in your day. I love what Bill Hybels says. Remember we talked about his authentic Christianity earlier. This is how he finishes that quote. Authentic Christians have strong relationships with the Lord, relationships that are renewed every day. Embarrassingly, few Christians ever reach this level of authenticity. Most Christians are just too busy. And the arch enemy of authenticity is busyness. Anyway, you cut it, a key ingredient in authentic Christianity is time. Not leftover time, not throwaway time, but quality time. And of course, it's one of the main reasons why this journey called Rooted. Because we believe this so much that we want to take a whole church through this. Let's see if we can develop a regular rhythm of relationship in our personal, and it becomes a habit in our life. We'll just start small. Are we going to just start with 15 minutes, five, five days? Let's just start small, but we don't care where we're starting because we care where we end up. We're going to start small, and we're going to build this rhythm into our life, and we're going to begin to listen to God, and we're going to begin to read his word and listen for his voice, because if we can build this rhythm, we can create a place where God can speak, and we can listen, and we can find our place in the story, right? Now, number two, then the second question then, first question, are you listening? Second question is, are you following? And so we've seen today that if we want to hear God's voice, we have to be willing to follow when he speaks. And that is not easy. Now, sometimes when God speaks, it is beautiful. Sometimes it's powerful. Sometimes when God speaks, he's going to speak a word of encouragement or courage or challenge. And it's, just, it's going to fill you up and it's going to be so powerful. And it's like, man, God revived me with his voice. But there's other times when God speaks, when God is going to challenge us, God is going to call us to get out of the boat. God's going to call us to take a risk. He's going to call us to a new level of obedience or surrender. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. It's going to be painful. It's going to be a deep death that leads to deep life. But it's going to be hard. I mean, think with me. How easy was it, do you think, for Abraham to leave his extended family and go to a land he had never been and he doesn't know where we're going and God says, go that way and I'll let you know when we get there. How easy was it, do you think, for Moses when God comes and says, okay, we're done with the sheep, I'm sending you back. I'm sending you back to last time you were there was a warrant out for your arrest for murder. And how excited was Moses? Was Moses like, this is awesome. I get to lead the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt. This is going to be great. No, it was like, God, why me? 
God, I can't speak. I've never been good at this. God, no. Oh, my brother, you've always loved my brother. And my brother. Last thing he wanted to do. Nation of Israel comes out of Egypt. Had to go through this dreadful, dangerous, scorpion-infested desert. It's not easy to listen to God when you're David and you're on the run from King Saul. You know what he's promised, and you know he's promised he's with you, but it's hard. It's hard to listen and follow when you're one step away from death. What about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? How hard was it to listen and follow when he was being asked to give his life in that way? What about Peter when the vision came where God began to show Peter that your whole life you've lived with racial prejudice? And I'm here to tell you we're breaking that wall down because I love the world. I love everyone and I want you to love them too. How easy was that, you see, to break that paradigm? See, when God speaks, it's not always easy. It will always lead us to life. But it's not always easy. And the question is, if God were to speak to you right now about your marriage, about your finances, about your dating, about your sexuality, about your priorities, about your career, about your relationships, about that forgiveness, about that hatred, if God were to speak, would you listen? I love what Mark Batterson writes again in Whisper. He says, if you aren't willing to listen to everything God has to say, you eventually won't hear anything he has to say. That is very profound. In fact, I will put it this way. If you're not willing to hear anything God has to say, you probably won't, you probably won't hear much. Because what God wants to say to you is the most important thing. It's not random. What he wants to say to you is the thing that's most important for you moving into your future. And if you say, I'll listen to everything, but don't talk to me about my marriage. Don't talk to me about my sex life. Don't talk to me about my fine. I'll listen to anything else. Guess what? He will not say, great, I'll get back to you. Let's move on to topic number two. He'll say, okay, well, get back to me when you're ready for topic number one. Because that's what's getting in the way. And so here's what I want to challenge you as a church as we go through this. I believe that God is going to be speaking in this series. He's going to be speaking to you in your one-on-one time with God. He's going to be speaking to your group. He's going to be speaking about your life and your values and your prayers. He's going to be talking about your story and his story. He's going to talk to you about your pain and his presence in your pain. He's going to talk to you about strongholds in your life that he wants to break down. He's going to talk to you about your calling, your giftings your priorities. He's going to talk to you about your money, your finances, and kingdom. He's going to talk to you about sharing Christ with others. God is going to speak, and I don't know to which person what the message is going to be or how often, but I do believe he's going to speak. And the question is, Rocky Peak, we have this unprecedented opportunity to go to a whole new level. And I just want to speak to you from my heart to your, as your pastor, as I, I love you, he loves you, And these words he is speaking to you, he wants you to live an epic life. And this is not hard. This is not hard in the sense that he is your leader. He is your teacher. 
But there is no substitute, there is no other way than to come before him and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. There is no other way but the way that we often talk about here, the way of listen and follow. And both are imperative. Let's pray. Father, as we come, we just want to come into your presence and say, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for your voice in our life. And God, we realize you speak to different people in different ways at different times at different frequencies. And we understand all of that. We don't want someone else's experience. We just want ours, Lord. We want our relationship to be authentic. And Lord, we, we want to be those authentic Christians that the bill was talking about that are renewed every day that have come to learn that the heart and soul of the Christian life is to learn to listen and to hear your voice and to have the courage to act and to follow. And so we pray that you would shepherd us as a church, shepherd us individually. We pray that this week our hearts will be open. And as the song says, Lord, that everything else would fall away but your voice and what you're saying and our obedience. So we pray as we bring you our gifts, our tithes, our offerings, use these to build a place where we can hear your voice and listen and follow for your, na- your name's sake and your glory. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Would you stand with me? Father, that's our prayer, that anything that's not of you would fall away. And we pray this week as we spend time with you, as we reflect on this message, as we go through our study together, that our ears will be open, God, and this will be the constant prayer. If there's anything not of you, that you would reveal it in your perfect time so you can show us how to let it fall away. So that we can rise up from our old life to live this new epic life and move out to this journey that you've this supernatural journey you've called us this adventure. And so God, we pray that this week you'd speak. You'd speak through the words we've heard this weekend. You'd speak through the study. You'd speak through your word and your spirit. We pray that you'd speak in a wide variety of ways. We pray that however you speak, we'd be willing to listen. We pray you grace our hearts. In the words of Jeremiah, you'd give us that singleness of heart and action, that we would be your people and you would be our God, and you would inspire us to fear you, that we would never turn from you, that you might bless us and our children all the days of our life. And this is our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen, Rocky Peak. Well, a couple of things as we go. Don't forget, Encounter tonight, 6 o'clock. I'll see you here. Prayer on the sides of both of our venues over in the Ridge and here at Worship Center. Uh, if you want prayer, on my right to your left. People with badges over there, love to pray with you. If you need your rooted bags, be sure to get those out there. And I'll see you tonight. God bless. Mm.